to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'll be talking with Yogi Aaron. Yogi Aaron is one of the most sought after yoga teachers today. He's trailblazing a new path in the world of yoga. He's known for his unorthodox perspectives on stretching and flexibility and how both cause more harm than good. And I had so much fun talking with Yogi Aaron. He's He just has a great laugh. I love his laugh. And we talk, um, we go pretty deep. We talk about purpose and ego and spirituality and yoga being more than drinking coconut water. So now you know. But um, he he's really insightful and he's got some really um, provocative viewpoints in terms of what yoga is and, um, and, you know, to stop stretching. You got to find out more about this. And in fact, there is bonus content for this episode if you want to learn more, particularly about child's pose and why he's so adamant that people stop doing child's pose. So there's a whole bonus section. Just go to the show notes for this episode and you can get those that bonus content for free um, right in the show notes. And so quickly before we get started, do your part to cut out unnecessary plastic and water that's used in processing traditional shampoos by using Viore shampoo bars. I've been using them for over a year and I truly love Viore. My hair feels and looks great, and the product is so beautiful. This would make a great gift for somebody who doesn't realize what they're missing out on, and maybe that person is you. Use code CARA, K-A-R-A, for 10% off. And now, enjoy this episode. So welcome, Yogi Aaron. I'm so happy to meet you. I'm happy to have you or be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. So you are really passionate about helping people to become pain-free. And I'm really curious about your unorthodox perspectives when it comes to yoga and stretching and and um how does this all go together? How are you helping people to become pain-free um, and, and taking a different approach to yoga? So I, I think it's first, first and foremost, I think it's important to clarify a really important point, which doesn't get a lot of press. And that is that flexibility and, and stretching have absolutely nothing to do with yoga. Um, these kind of two ideas in what we have seen is that they've these two ideas have hijacked the yoga world. And what I'm trying to do is flip the script on that and get people back into what yoga is truly about, which is this kind of helping people to go back to the source of what is their purpose in life? How can we be happy in life? And for me, this kind of approach, this Ayama approach that I've been taking which is a philosophy, is an added philosophy, sort of, but not really, of yoga, which is that we need to be stable first. You know, there's one of the quotes from my teacher is that a confused mind is not fit for the practice of yoga. And we can kind of translate that into life. Like if we look at life, people who have confusion, 
it's really hard for them to get the most out of life. They're just confused. They're just don't know what they don't know. And the paradigm or the philosophy of yoga is that the, the key that unlocks the door to freedom is knowledge. The key to that unlocks the door of freedom is knowing yourself at every level, not like believing who you are, not like having a feeling of who you are, but being really um, grounded in that source, in that knowledge. And so that for me is, is what I'm really passionate about is, is getting people into that place of like, I know who I am. I know what my purpose is. And when, a couple of days ago, somebody asked me like, you know, how can you keep going after doing this for 30 years? And it's like, when you see that spark of awakening in people, oh my God, that's the most addictive thing for me. <laughs> yeah. The person awaken to their potential, their real potential, not just awaken to it, but actually go out and do something about it. That's so exciting to me to see people do stuff in their life. Absolutely. So let's let's pull that thread a little bit in terms of helping people to find out who they are. So, you know, in the yogic world, a lot of times there's the talk about um, ego versus the higher self. So is this the type of language that you're talking about where it's like a realization that you're more than this physical experience that you're having and you're more than the thoughts and so forth? Is that kind of on par with with that realization or is it more about, or in probably it's everything, but you know, is it, is it more around an individual and like, Hey, what is your specific purpose and, and so forth? Or is it kind of more of that etheric, um, feeling of, of who we all are, you know, beyond the physical? Yeah. I mean, that's a really great, uh, question. Um, I, there's a lot in the yoga world um, that's being taught today. <clears throat> and I would even say in the spiritual um, realm, it, you know, like um, spiritual practices and that what people are doing. And there's this kind of like fixation, if you will, it's probably not the best word, but um, on like we are one and just accept that we are all one and, and merge with universal consciousness. And it's a beautiful beautiful idea. I mean, it really is. Um, but it's not like it's, it's sort of a short term solution, I guess, to feeling a little better about yourself. But I don't think it really part of what is taught in the yoga sutras is in order for us to understand who we are, we have to separate ourselves from everything that we think we are. And, and that's one of the things I love about classical yoga, um, the yoga of, of Patanjali, is that it's really starting to go in and, and identifying all those parts of ourselves who we think we are. You know, like, you know, I am a victim, for example. You know, so many of us relate to being a victim. Well, that's not really who we are. Um, who we are is, you know, this eternal self. But we can't really identify that eternal self until we identify all of those different parts of, of who we think we are. We forget, you know, one of the, my teacher Swami Rama said that we all wear masks in life. And, you know, in the Greek root word of mask is persona, uh, 
which mm. now translates as personality. But in the ancient Greece, they would carry around, you know, actors would, would literally hold a mask in front of their face and then assume a character, assume a personality. And, and sometimes it would have two or three of these different masks and be able to play different parts or different characters. So that's who we are as human beings is we're playing different parts. You know, like right now, I'm playing the part brought to you by yoga. <laughs> and then when I hang up with you, I might have to play the part of a yoga retreat center owner. And it's kind of like starting to identify those different parts in our attachment to those parts. And until we start to identify that, then we're never going to be free of that. You know, we can always imagine this sort of universal consciousness, but then we quickly get pulled back down into, you know, this kind of like earthly stuff until we start to maintain that, that dual awareness of, you know, I've, I'm playing this role, but I'm not really that role. You know, it's like yeah. having that constant awareness and, and for me, what, what, um, what we teach is the teachings of, based upon Patanjali that, that this is like this duality, if you will. There's this duality. We're not this oneness. There is this duality. And we need to separate ourselves from ourselves to understand ourselves. <laughs> you know, there's this beautiful quote I used to say all the time. I kind of got it from my teacher. Imagine yourself watching yourself watch yourself. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Well, this is the interesting thing because of course we have ego and this is, you know, a lot of like there or there are plenty of lineages, let's say that the idea is to kill the ego. Yeah. You know, it's like let's kill it because it's not who you really are. And, and I've spent time there, you know, where it's like, oh, okay, that's ego. That's bad. I reject it, you know, and I'm really working on living my life beyond the ego. Well, there came a point where it, it was actually kind of turned on its head where it's like, well, we are here on this planet having a human experience yeah. with this body and personality that is part of the deal. And it's part of the toolkit that we've been given. And so there's... A bit of a, I mean, I I am finding as time goes on, it's like a, a yes and, you know, it's like, yeah, we we are all one, you know, that is like a, a metaphysical, like quantum truth that we all are connected like fascia, you know, we're all part of one big system and we have these individual expressions that we use as our tools to, you know, to um, live our Dharma to live our purpose. And, um, and so there, again, there's, was just an evolution where it's like, yeah, one approach is like, kill the ego, reject the ego, get over the ego, you know? And it's like, I don't, and it, and that can be done, you know, you can transcend the ego, but it takes time Mm -hmm to do that that's like mastery and so there's there's a big layer between like learning about the difference between ego and higher self or however that language is done you know separation and and unity and everything before we actually experience that as a, a living truth 
and it seems that when we are like in our human form, but we're rejecting the, the human, we're rejecting the ego, we're rejecting the separation, that there is that um, potential for bypassing, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, well, I'm just a soul. So I don't feel anger. I don't feel pain. I don't feel guilt or regret or shame because those are like ego things. Mm-hmm. And, and with us not actually accepting that we are feeling those things, you know, they just can get buried instead of like processed and, and accepted. And, and then they're hanging in there energetically. Um, well, you see that. I don't know why I'm saying all of these things, but <laughs> sorry. No, please. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that you can see that a lot with people who, you know, these, these stereotypical people who go and spend, you know, a month in a meditation center or even sometimes years in a meditation center, um, uh, a Tibetan monastery, you know, and then they go home for Thanksgiving. (laughs) And then, and then they realize like, I really haven't dealt with my shit. Um, it's nice to dwell in that beautiful place of bliss, but it doesn't serve us. You know, and one of the, I think one of the most profound things that I had two of my teachers teach me this in different ways, but they taught the same thing. Forget about bliss. Don't worry about bliss. Don't worry about feeling ecstatic. So many of us are, are addicted to ecstasy. Focus on concentration. Make concentration your practice. How long can you hold your attention on, on something? And, and that's, for me, that's much more important. And part of that concentration is coming back to this awareness, that constant awareness, that constant mindfulness of, of the, that duality of like, yes, I'm projecting an ego, but what kind of ego do I want to project? I mean, we, mask do I wear? Yeah, exactly. What what mask do you want to wear? Swami Rama, my teacher, said, do the work so that you make your personality a pleasant one. I thought, wow. I mean, what a profound statement. Because so many of us have very unpleasant personalities. And owning a yoga retreat center, I can't tell you how many yoga I'm doing air quotes for people who are listening. Yoga people come. <laughs> and have really nasty personalities. And so yeah. it's like, you know, you're not really doing the work. You're drinking your coconut water and thinking that's making you spiritual, but that's not, <laughs> you got to do the work and, and face yourself. And totally. So, it's this, it's the equivalent of like going to church on Easter, you know, and, or get, even getting your butt in the pew every Sunday yeah. and thinking like, okay, I'm going to heaven because I did all the Sundays yes. in church and like, but you're a terrible, like horrible person to be around and you're <laughs> causing so much pain to the people that love you or want to love you. And, and it's like, well, you know, there's that mentality. Like I'm ticking the box, yeah. I'm doing the things, but you're, you know, that actual work to, to better ourselves is the, is the actual part of the, you know, the, the whole Thing. Back to your original point of the, the actual point of yoga, you know, what is it trying to do? It's, it's there. Is it there to make us stretchy or is it there to connect us and to help us grow and yeah. in a different way? 
So tell us about your approach. I am so interested in in this like stop stretching. So tell tell me about this. So I didn't read about you if you actually do yoga. Do you actually have you done have you done much yoga like quote unquote I, asana? Like the asanas. Yeah. I I have historically. I mean, I've done many many yoga classes. I have not done them for a I haven't been to a yoga class probably in a couple of years. Okay. Um, but I do, I'll like do some stretching when I feel like I'll do some yoga moves, some asanas, um, when my body needs it or, but I'll, I'll do like, you know, just a few flows, <laughs> you know, that take me just like five or 10 moving minutes. Moving a little bit. Right. And I really can feel like, oh, there's like energy needs to go in these, like, that's one of the cool things about yoga is like how much, if we're not moving our bodies around in such a way, it's, it's like the fascia, like we talked about, or the, you know, the different, like how much energy is actually getting into my armpit, for example, you know, if I'm not breathing with my arms raised up and I'm stretching over, you know, there are all these different ways that we're moving energy into our physical body and into the fascia through yoga. Um, so sometimes I'll just feel called to like, oh, I really just need to like stretch and get some some fresh energy into different parts of my body. So I thank you for sharing that, by the way. Um, it, it's and I think that's one of the biggest boons of yoga asana um, that I know that you're probably you're more into meditation, which is great which is fantastic. And in part of how yoga asana developed or, or came about is just recognizing like not everybody can sit still, you know, and, and, yeah. and be with themselves. And it, I think it's important for listeners or for people to also know, like without judgment, I say this without judgment, although it sounds judgy, um, <laughs> that it's got your inability, people's inability to sit still has nothing to do with body. And it's all about the mind, you know, and not being able to be still in mind. And, and there's a lot to unpack there. And that's, and, and so the ancient Hatha yogis recognized that truism that not, not everybody a had enough time to sit still for a long period of time or B couldn't sit still and, and then C, also realize that we can access the divine qualities of, of the eternal within our body. And so all, kind of understanding all of those things, that's how the science of Hatha Yoga started to be developed, you know, 1500 years ago, more or less. And um, where I come into this, <laughs> fast forward 1500 years. is that I started doing yoga when I was about 18 because I wanted to become more flexible. And um, quickly I started injuring myself and that kind of process. So the solution to injuring myself was to do more yoga. I'm not flexible enough. I'm not stretching enough. Yes. I've been there too. I've, I, I was doing a ton of yoga and I started feeling uh, pain in my back and I start, and then I started taking yoga medicine Yeah, where I was like, Oh, well, clearly I've got something I need to work out in my back and yoga will help me. And, um, it did not. So 
a lot of people go will go, oh, but you have negative emotions in your back. You need to deal with that. Or you've got negative feelings or, or emotional hips. I don't even know what that means. But um, emotional hips. Emotional hips. <laughs> you got to open that up and let your hips uh, release. And, and believe me, it took me you know, I can laugh at this and I'm not laughing at people. I'm, I'm really laughing at myself for the record because I, I just I'm in in shock at like some of the pseudoscience that I used to think about. And so anyway, it took me 25 years to figure out. And it, what happened was I ended up in a surgeon's office about five years ago who was telling me that I probably would need a spinal fusion uh, in my lower back. And that was like a huge wake up call for me that I was like, this, this can't be happening. Like I'm, I'm the type of person that really focuses a lot on my alignment. I'm the type of person that is very um, particular about my body and my health and my mind. And that was kind of like a moment I flipped, I started flipping the script and to make a long story short, I started studying a technique called muscle activation technique, which was developed by Greg Roscoff. And it's a whole kind of methodology, which I'm not going to get really deep into, but the whole premise is around, and there's a few things that are the premise, but one of them is that we want to reestablish or refortify or strengthen the, the brain to muscle connection. And so you might say, well, Yogi Aaron isn't, you know, yoga really about developing a stronger mind-body connection. And that, that is true. We are developing sort of more of a peripheral awareness, if you will. But every time we stretch, we're actually diminishing that proprioception that we have, that biomechanical proprioception where the brain knows where a muscle is in space. And so every time what I started to learn in MAT, muscle activation technique, was every time we're stretching, we're actually diminishing that connection. We're actually, in some cases, even breaking that connection between brain and muscle. And you might notice, Cara, that when you, you do child's pose, and if you kind of like just have to stand up right away, it's kind of like you have to put one hand on the floor, the other hand, come on to all fours, slowly put your hands on your knees and come up because you don't have any strength. You don't have any, I think it's a good way of putting it is force output. The muscles are not contracting and contracting on demand. And so you kind of have to rely on your hands and your knees to start slowly coming up. Um, and I started realizing like, this is not good. I want my students leaving more stable, but also personally, I know that I'm feeling more stable. And if I stretch, I feel not the same. So I started to kind of translate what I was learning in MAT and saying, how can we bring this into the yoga world? And that's when I started uh, creating Ayama, Applied Yoga Anatomy, and Muscle Activation, uh, Muscle Activation. Okay. Well, thank you for that. So is that, is it like found, is the foundation of that Ayama practice or technique, is it, is it yoga? I mean, are you kind of combining the asanas with the mat technique or? No, no, it's not combining with MAT at all. What I'm not, what I'm teaching is not MAT. What I've done 
is gone in and go, okay, well, what are the main muscles? So there's a few different um, paradigm shifts, if you will. Um, the first paradigm, the first principle of a yama is stop stretching. <laughs> and if your listeners <laughs> can take anything from this podcast um, with me, the two things is stop stretching and stop doing child's pose because that it's just really the worst thing you can do it out of all the yoga asanas. It is the worst yoga pose uh, to do. I really am on the bandwagon to start teaching yoga teachers more about muscle function. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, we're just not taught in our, in, in, you, you know, we have a lane and we're supposed to, within that lane, learn something about anatomy. Unfortunately, the people that taught us about anatomy know nothing about anatomy and sometimes those people would bring in other people to teach about anatomy, and but we don't ever retain it. And that's the applied part of applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation is that my goal is not just to teach people about anatomy, but to make it more functional, to make it more experiential so that we can apply it into a practice. So, for example, like, you know, you've done yoga postures before and a famous one is Trikonasana. And, and so this kind of goes into another part of, of the Ayama principle. So one, stop stretching, stop doing a child's pose. Number two, start working on activating. So stop stretching, start activating. And what that means is like, if you're coming into triangle pose, we don't actually talk of anything about opening up the side of the body. We're actually focusing on what are we engaging here? Well, what we're engaging is our lateral obliques are sitting right here. Let's feel them. Bring your hand here. Now crunch over to the side. You feel those lateral obliques engage? Great. Engage it a little bit more and a little bit more. You're improving those muscles' ability to contract and contract on demand. You're improving those, ability, those muscles' ability to shorten properly. And, and with, within their own range of motion, not like forcing them to overshorten, if you will, or the other side to um, over lengthen. So it's, it's a complete so reversal. Cool. Instead of like when you're coming into a forward bend, number one, I never teach people to try and touch their toes. That's just not in my, you know, languaging. In fact, when I tell people to fold forward, I always usually set it up by telling them to bring their hands behind their back. But we're not focused anymore on the hamstrings or lower back muscles. We're focused on the quads and focusing on the um, torso, the, the rectus abdominis, the, the trunk flexors, if you will. So let's get those muscles engaging properly. And now we're going into movement and we're holding or doing ranges of motion that are natural within our own body's range rather than it being forced. <laughs> okay. I love that. You are just flipping it because you are obviously, if you're contracting one part of the body, the, the other side is opening up, but you're not focusing on over, you know, do over stimulating, over, over stretching. Yeah. And, yeah, that's fascinating. Cara, I was talking to this yoga teacher just the other day and she said, I, she said, well, we, but don't we want to stretch at all? And I said, well, why do you want to stretch? And she said, well, 
now you've put me on the spot, haven't you? (laughs) You ask yoga teachers like why you want to stretch. And she actually gave this answer when she thought about it for a second. She's like, well, I just want to feel open and spacious and, you know, and all of those things. But do you, you know, muscles have a two jobs. Muscles move bones. So if you're out shopping, like let's bring it into real world. So we're out shopping for groceries. We have a couple of grocery bags. We need to lift those grocery bags up and we need to hold them and then take them to the car. Okay. If your muscles aren't working, you can't lift those grocery bags. Or if the proper muscles aren't working and you lift those grocery bags up, other little muscles start to take over. And in the yoga world, one of the most common things, since I'm talking about grocery bags right now, that way injuries that we see is in the shoulders, like rotator cuff, uh, rotator cuffs getting uh, torn, like the supraspinatus or the teres minor. And why are they getting torn? Because the big muscles are not doing their job because they're just permanently in a shutdown state due to all of this overstretching. So muscles, muscles move bones and muscles hold joints in place. And so if you want these muscles to be holding joints in place, do you really want them open and spacious? <laughs> no, you want them to be able to shorten and pull, you know, the, the, the joints and the bones in so that the joint is stabilized one of the most common um, two, I think one of the one of the two most common surgeries many yoga teachers, senior yoga teachers have hip replacement and knee replacement. And I've had friends that have had both. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you would think that if you were really into yoga for a long time, you would be kind of protecting those parts more, you know, through the practice. So that's really interesting. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, I do want to, I want to tell people how to learn more about you, but before we get to that, um, I would love to hear your five tips for living a successful and meaningful life. Sure. Um, so I think the first tip is that I wake up every morning and ask myself, am I living my purpose and how can I live more fully in my purpose? And the answer changes, by the way, day to day, but it doesn't always have to be the same. It's not like one thing, but there is also that perpetual awareness of like, I am going here. This is, this is the direction I'm going. And, you know, is what I'm doing today supporting that uh, endeavor. Um, I also use affirmations every day. I really believe very strongly. Um, I used to be really into affirmations and I got away from it in the pandemic. I really got back into it because I, again, concentration, I had to start focusing uh, my mind. And affirmations are a great tool to focus our minds. Um, another great tip is moving your body. <laughs> do, do some body movement every day. It's just, it's so um, important. Uh, I think I gave one of the tips already. Stop doing child's pose. <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop stretching. <laughs> no, seriously, stop stretching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm laughing, but I mean it. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Bad yogi, stop stretching. (laughs) 
Um, I haven't stretched in five years and I'm more happier now in my body than I've been in a long time. So. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then the last one is start activating, start, start activating your muscles, learn how to, you know, get excited about taking care of yourself because we've only got one body. And one of the, th one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about teaching people the Ayama methodology or teaching people about muscle activation in general is just so if we're in pain, which so many people are, you know, forgetting about the mental pain, that's a whole other conversation. I'm talking about physical pain. So much of our energy goes into managing it. And um, if you can free up that energy, imagine what you could do with it, you know, and that's yeah. what I want to help people with. I love that. I mean, it's so true. I just actually, uh, yesterday, I think it was, I interviewed um, somebody named Junie and she's a breast cancer survivor. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about how, you know, you get diagnosed and basically like everything stops. A lot of people stop working and everything goes into healing and the, the management of it. And um, I shared on that podcast, like my dad is actually in the hospital right now. He had heart surgery on Monday and we're recording this on a Thursday. Um, and it, it, you know, it's true. Like it's just, everything has stopped. It's like all hands on deck yeah. to, you know, like how are things moment to moment? How are things now? Um, and you know, his life for sure has stopped. My life has also, you know, been altered from a daily perspective. Um, and so it's the same, it's the same. If you're in pain, you're, yeah, your whole, everything is kind of continuously getting drawn to, to that pain. How do I manage it? How do I get through it? How long is it going to last? You know, the fear that it causes and, and all of that. So yeah, so pertinent. I'm sorry you're going through that and your blessings to your dad and I hope he feels oh, better sooner or gets better yeah. sooner. I know it's a it's a bit of a recovery process. So yeah, he's done beautifully, but I mean that's the thing. Like we've had best case scenario the whole way. Yeah. So we've been really, really fortunate. But even that being said, it's still like everything stops. Yeah. And, and it's the same and his is, you know, acute, so it's not going to keep going, you know, we'll be, we'll hit, you know, get over this hump and be back to normal. But, you know, if you're dealing with chronic pain, that just, it affects everything all day yeah. until you're, yeah, not pain in pain anymore. So, yeah. well, thank you for that. Um, tell people how they can connect with you, how they can learn how to do the Yama uh, yeah, no, is that right? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, how they can learn more. So just uh, incidentally, Ayama, um, A-Y-A-M-A. -A. Um, I didn't come up with like the Yama. It was I came up with applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation. Then I realized Ayama. And then I started like thinking about it because I know a little bit about Sanskrit. It basically loosely means freedom. Moksha, freedom. Moksha would be like a synonym of it, like, but more like a freedom in this kind of in this in this world right now. Or another um, definition is unrestrained, like you're unrestrained in life. So, but the, the number one way I would say is get a look, 
just go to Amazon, search Stop Stretching, and you'll find me. You'll find my podcast. I'm also on Spotify. It's an eight-part series, um, my podcast. It's it's more like in a documentary storytelling podcast, um, if you will. Uh, go to my website, yogiaron.com. Uh, go to YouTube and search Yogi Aaron. I'm all over the place. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And on your book... On the cover of your book, I see a couple of doggies. And I think on Instagram, I've seen your doggies or doggy, a dog. Are there three dogs there? There's, there's two, Are two dogs, dogs and a cat. cat. But at Blue Oaks in my home in Costa Rica, I'm a huge animal lover, lover. I love cats. We've had up to five cats sometimes and four dogs. And we've used to have chickens and pigs, but that's another story. Um, I just love animals in my life and uh, my dogs are my, my heart. (laughs) I think I saw a very endearing post on Instagram not too long ago of you, something with yoga and your dog or so. I can't remember now, but I just remember going, (laughs) oh, I'm an animal person too. I've got a dog and two cats. So a little, the opposite of your book cover there. (laughs) (laughs) They are, they are our best therapists. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Aren't they? They make life just so awesome. Yes. Yes. I love it. Well, I have had so much fun, Yogi Aaron. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. I mean, you have given me so much to think about in terms of yoga and what we're actually trying to do with yoga. Um, So I I, am really grateful. Thank you for coming on today. Very welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love for you to do me one quick favor, which is to think of one person who would benefit from hearing this content. Let them know you're thinking of them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.